and all that. So we don't feel weird when we come when we come here. Other churches, we feel weird, honestly. <laughs> like even this morning, like the kids were making noise, but then some other kids were making noise too, and no one was looking at us. So I was like, okay, we're good, we're good. Um, this is kind of home, you know. So uh, I do have another announcement. Uh, this morning. For those that were with us last year when I came and spoke, who was here? Like, remember me speaking last year? All right, good. Um, I'm not wearing Trey's jeans, all right? <laughs> last year, I remember I left my belt home, and John gave me these big pair of pants that just weren't going to fit, and the only other option was Trey's jeans. and I was, It was tight. I was like, I couldn't even walk around up here. So I stood right behind the other uh, pulpit. <laughs> was that? Yeah, you kept eating up the time with every, you know, the, Congrats, Jared, man. That's really cool. Um, cool opportunity, man. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. On a more serious note, again, we're, ex- we're expecting our fifth child, as John already added in my notes, but you already made the announcement. Um, and our kids are here. They're in Sunday school. Our youngest is right there, Selah. Uh, Selah, can you say hi to everybody? She's our. Bo- she's, I call her like our boss baby, but she smiles, so it makes it even. It makes it easier. Like to, it's harder to say no to her. <laughs> then we have Philip. Philip is our our youngest son. Um, this this week, my wife and I were joking about Philip. He has like the best dance, the dance moves out of the kids. Like he does something like with his hands, like he does, he does something like that. But um, I can't dance, I won't try. It. But it, it looks cute when he does it. And then Ellie, Eliana, um, John and uh, and Amy are there. Are her Ninong and Ninong, which is godparents in the Fili- Filipino culture. Um, she's our morning ki- morning person, and so I'm a morning person, and I so I get up every morning, make a lot of noise. Um, so does Eliana. My wife hates it. Um, everybody else hates it who are not morning people. And then Jeremiah is our oldest. And it's funny, this week he went into the fridge to grab refrigerate, uh, to grab milk. And like I said, stop. And I kind of grabbed him and I said, just kind of got on my knees and I said, man, I remember you were this, this small. And it was just kind of like this. I don't know if you have these moments as, as fathers, right, where you just like get a little emotional. And so I got a little emotional as he was going to get milk. <laughs> like it was just, it was just a weird thing. And then, uh, you guys, as John mentioned, my wife and I, we serve as, as missionaries in New York City. And uh, one thing I love, I appreciate about my wife is even on the ride up here, we were having a conversation about the culture and what is the culture's view of children. And so we get into like all these heady, you know, conversations about racial concilia- reconciliation. And we'll talk about everything. And I enjoy that. We really like, we love talking about some of those things. So I appreciate that about my wife. Um, you guys have your scriptures. Let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And before we actually read, well, let's, let's read the scripture first. I don't want to. Acts chapter 8. Acts 8, starting at verse 25. Sorry, Acts, Acts 8, starting at verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of, of Ethiop- an Ethiopian a eunuch of great authority under Candace, Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot, to this chariot. 
Verse 30, And Philip ran thither to them and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened out his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of another man? Is he speaking of himself or is he speaking of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they were come upon out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way, rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to gather as, as saints and the opportunity, God, to open up your word and to, to, to read it, Lord, and to, to wrestle through some, some things and just to share a few thoughts, Lord. Um, God, I, I'm just a man uh, full of flaws, um, but your word, is, your word is perfect. Your word is powerful. God, your word is really, your word is what changes hearts. God, thank you that we get to be a part of, of what you're doing um, in this, on this world, on this earth, God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we get to be a part of that. God, thank you that this morning I get to join uh, with what's going on here already at Branford Bible Chapel. And I get to be a part of just sharing your word, Lord. God, I do pray that you would be, you would be glorified. God, you're going to be glorified. Um, that's, that's just the reality. You're going to be glorified. Your name will be glorified. God, I pray that you would get uh, the increase. And I pray that you would, you would challenge us. God, I pray that you would encourage us. You would, um, you would convict us, God. Uh, you would um, show us, God, what we need to do next as, as, as believers. And so, God, we thank you. We pray that you bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so before we jump into this passage, um, I kind of want to say a few things to kind of set up our time. And so I think I have, I usually have to finish about what time? Like a little after 12? What's the, till I'm done? I can't, I can't talk long. Um, but how, what's, the, what's the, just so that I can re- be respectful. James, John's not going to give me the answer. Thank you. All right. He's not going to give me the answer. So uh, before we jump into the topic of like related to evangelism, I just want to say again a few things that's going to kind of set us up. Um, by evangelism, what I'm defining evangelism. I got this from a, a preacher. Um, by evangelism, I mean, I mean the teaching, teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. So that's how I'm defining evangelism, teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. Um, so it's an, this morning, I'm not going to talk about how to necessarily lead someone to Christ. I'm going to talk about evangelism, but I won't talk about how to necessarily lead someone to Christ. I'm not going to necessarily talk about um, kind of how-tos, how to turn a conversation from talking about baseball to something spiritual. That's not, it's not really a how-to kind of message. Um, it's really looking at this story, Philip and his interaction with the eunuch, and 
and looking at what, what, what did God do in the story? And what are some, maybe what are some principles that we as believers can, can apply to our lives today? So that's kind of the, the heart uh, of this message. Um, the feel, I like to talk about what's the, how, how am I going to interact with you guys? Um, I'm going to involve you guys in this message. That's just kind of my style of preaching. Some people like it, some people don't. If you don't like it, this is a free country. You have two feet. You can, you, you got what I'm saying. Um, but I'm going to interact with you a little bit, all right? And what I mean, well, how I'm going to interact with you guys a little bit is that I may have you process questions individually by yourself. So if you have a paper, if you have a pen, if you have your phone, you can use your phone. Our phones allow, you guys allow to use your phones in here? What's the, what's the, the chapel rule? I know some chapels are strict. <laughs> All right, good. So you can use your phone if you need to interact with the, uh, the message. I may even have you connect with the person next to you and kind of process the question individually. So if you don't like the person next to you, this is your time to get up to pretend you're going to the bathroom or just find a new seat. So I may have you interact just briefly over a question. Um, and then I also may take responses from the men um, based off the questions I ask. All right? So that's kind of the feel. It's kind of be, I'm going to do my best to make it interactive, have you guys process individually, maybe with the person next to you, and then take responses from the men. Uh, just a quick broad outline of Acts. Um, really, Acts, the purpose of the, of the book of Acts is to show the growth of the church. Um, if you can boil it down to a purpose statement, it's to show the growth of the church. And we see several movements that happen throughout the book of Acts where the gospel is going forth. And the church begins to grow and, and added to them thousands. Christians were added to the church. And so it's, it's, it's showing the expansion of the church, the, the, the growth of the church and the gospel going forth. Real quick, turn to Acts chapter 1 so that we can kind of get a kind of ground this purpose and this outline, the outline of Acts in, in, in Acts chapter 1. Acts 1 verse starting at verse 6. It says, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at the same time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. Can you say Jerusalem? Can you say Jerusalem? All right, there you go. And all of Judea. And in Samaria and onto the uttermost parts of the world. Three quick points if you want to kind of give a quick outline, big picture of the book of Acts. The kind of the geographical expansion of the gospel. Chapters 1 through 7, Jerusalem. All right. Chapters 8 through 10, Samaria and Judea. And then the remaining 11 through 28 is to the uttermost parts of the world. So that's kind of, if you could break it down into three points. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and uh, Judea and then to the uttermost parts of the world. It, it shows, again, the growth of the church, starting in Jerusalem, moving out to Judea and Samaria, and then going forward to the uttermost parts of the, of the earth. Um, just think that's important to couch that, understand that context, because this is where chapter, chapter 8, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, where we see this. So go ahead and turn back to chapter, chapter 8. Chapter 8. And here's just a quick question, all right? And I'd love to hear some responses actually from some of the men in the, in the audience, all right? What are some quick thoughts or feelings that come to your mind when you think about sharing your faith, when you think about telling others about the gospel? Just like, just real quick popcorn, throw it out. What are some thoughts or feelings that come to your mind when you're thinking about being involved 
kind of ensuring your faith when you think about sharing the gospel with someone else? Excited. Who said that? Excited. That's usually not the first response I hear, but I like that. Excited. Awkward. All right, how many guys would relate with that? Raise of hands, show of hands, like awkward. Yeah, all right. Anything else? We got, we got excited, we got awkward. Nervous. Nervousness, yeah. Anybody would, could relate with that? Yeah, nervousness. Anything else? Fear. That was, the, that was the thought that I was thinking of. Fear. There's always a sense of fear when those conversations come up. Right? I'm nervous, but there's fear. Like, what's going to happen if I say this? Or what's going to happen if I say that? Right? There's a sense of fear. And then it's also like, what if I'm awkward about it and I, I say something I shouldn't say, right? So here's a question just to, you know, to think about. We're not going to discuss, but what has been your experience in sharing your faith? What has been your past experience in sharing your faith? Is there a story that kind of comes to your mind? Is there uh, an interaction? Is there a person that comes to your mind? What has been your experience in sharing your faith? And here's the next question. I'd love for us to put up our hands on this one, all right? The whole, the whole church can, 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 can get involved with this. On a scale from 1 to 10, how motiva- motivated are you to share Christ with others? On a scale from, and be honest, don't look around. <laughs> how motivated are you to share your faith with others? So 10 is like, dude, I'm excited. I'm beyond super excited. I want to get out of the, I want to leave right now and go share my faith, all right? That's 10. Zero is like, I'd just rather stay in bed and cover myself up. One to ten. Throw up your hands. Just be honest. I would love to see this. Got a couple eights. I see some fives. Thank you for being you know, honest, neutral. I got four. Okay, I got a one. Excellent. My bad. I didn't mean to point you out. All right. And I got people that just didn't even raise their hands. All right. I guess you guys are not used to, used to this. But, you know, think about that. Like, how, how motivated are we to share our faith? Interact, interact with others over the gospel. And so there are some days, like, I'm, I'm excited. And there's some days where I'm, I'm, I, mean, I feel motivated, and there's some days I don't feel motivated at all. All right? So here's the point. I think as we continue to interact a little bit with, with, with Acts uh, 8, I want to just kind of set it up a little bit. Why, why even offer the gospel? Why even talk to people about Jesus? Why even do that? And I think there are a couple, there are a couple points. The first point is that Jesus took the initiative. Turn to Luke chapter 19 real quick. Jesus took the initiative. Luke 19, verse 10. Luke 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus took the initiative. Jesus entered into this world as a a babe, took on the flesh of man, for the purpose was to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the first reason I think we offer the gospel. That is the first reason why we interact with people about who Jesus is, because he, he took the initiative. Matthew 28, real quick, Matthew 28. And some of us know this by heart already, all right? Matthew uh, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in, and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even on to the end of the world. That's the Great Commission. Jesus took the initiative. Jesus commands us. It's a command. All right? 
You think about the example of the early church, which we're going to look a little bit at with Philip. Um, Romans 10, Romans chapter 10. Just another reason why we offer the gospel, why we preach the gospel, why we explain it to people. Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 13. Romans 10, verse 13. For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of, of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good Things. Jesus took the initiative. Jesus commands us. We see an example of the early of the apostles in the, the early church. But people cannot, cannot and will not hear unless we go to them. Unless we go to them. And the last thing, which we see in Acts chapter 8, and I'll just share this example. I'll share the, the point. God is preparing hearts. God is preparing hearts. I remember a couple of years ago, I went uh, to the city with Johnny Hayes. Some of you guys know Johnny Hayes. Um, he's, a, he's a missionary out in Niger. Um, but we went, we met in the city, we went to Herald Square, and we kind of split up. I said, hey, this is where we're at, this is this little square park, why don't you go find somebody, and I'll go find somebody. And I ran up, went up to this guy, very randomly, I've never met this dude, sat down next to him, and I began to ask him, like, hey, would you, would you have time just to talk about things related to Christ and, and Jesus? And he was like, no way. He's like, I'm literally sitting here, and, and I'm wrestling through things in my mind related to Christianity. And so we had literally an hour conversation, and we're talking. I'm answering question after question. I recommended a few resources and books. He gets up. He goes, hey, i got to go to Barnes & Noble's right now to go pick up these books. And so God, God was already at work in the hearts of people. Do we believe that today as, 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 as a church, as a chapel? Like, do we believe that God is preparing people's hearts? There is so much questions that people are wrestling. And we live in a, a society, honestly, where some of the conversations are very, very superficial. Right? They're very shallow. But there are things that are people are wrestling with. They're thinking about what's my purpose? What's going to happen when I... They're thinking about some of these big questions. And we as believers, we have the truth. We have the gospel. And we get a chance to interact with people about what is true. Back to Acts, Acts chapter 8. I think there are a couple things we can learn from this chapter and a couple principles that speak to this idea of evangelism, that speaks to the idea of what God is doing, and, and there are things that we can learn from Philip's interaction with him. All right? Here's what I'd like for us to do, real quick, is I would like for you personally, I want you to read the, chap, the, 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 the chapter again, specifically verses 25 through 40 of Acts chapter 8. And as you read that, I want you to jot down maybe one to two things that you see, in, in, that you see um, in terms of how Philip interacted with the Ethiopian eunuch. Like, what are some, I guess, what are some principles that you see there? So I'm going to give you just, give you guys about two minutes, all right? Just kind of look at that by yourself personally, all right? And just jot down what are some, what are some things you do, all right? What are some things you see, all right? What are some things that you see in terms, let me back up, let me back up, sorry. With the person next to you, because sometimes it'll be weird, like, what about this? I want you, if you want to discuss it with the person next to you, you have the freedom to do that. If you'd rather just do it by yourself, that's fine. But just give you two minutes, one or two things. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, anything grand. Just what are some principles that you see about evangelism with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, all right? 
I wish there was background music to keep, you know. So again, you can discuss that by, you can do that by yourself or discuss it with someone. You guys, about 30 more seconds. Just again, one or two things. What do you see? What are some things you see? All right, I'm going to just open it up a little bit. I'd love to hear if, if from any of the men. What are some things you saw? Yeah, my brother. Obedience. Obedience. How so? What words? Show us. Yeah. Exactly. So that twice, right? He said, go, go. He said, go, to the, go to this area, to this desert place. And then later on, he says, go near the chariot, right? So there's obedience on Philip's part. Okay. Yeah, he's in tune with the Spirit. And we see that in verse 26, right? The angel of the Lord spake unto him. So, I mean, not, not verse 26, verse uh, 29, right? The Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. He's in tune with the Spirit. There's a sense of obedience. Any other? He knew the Scriptures. Right? He actually begins where? At what book does he begin? Isaiah. He begins in Isaiah and it says what? And he, let's look at verse, trying to find the verse, 35, yeah. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scriptures and preached unto him Jesus. He knew the scriptures. He was obedient. He was in tune with the Spirit. You know, I remember uh, this past week, I was on my way back from a conference, and uh, I was like, man, I, I get a chance. It's been a long, it's been a long week. I usually, I'm trying, I try not to travel at this season in life because we have four kids, it's it's a lot of work to, to leave to Marilette. So I was like, I had to go to this trip. <laughs> um, but on my way back, I'm like, yeah, I get to sit down and I get to watch a movie. Like I was looking forward to watching a movie. So I get on the airplane. There's no TV. I'm like, dang, man. But it's okay. There's Wi-Fi. There's Wi-Fi, right? There's Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi wasn't working. And I'm like, man. And I'm sitting next to this lady, this young lady. And we, we started to talk a little bit. But I was like, man, I want to make sure. I want to see if this Wi-Fi is working. So I turn my computer on again. I'm like. If this Wi-Fi is working, yes, I get to watch a movie. It's not. I probably should. I pro- and I felt the Lord like kind of leading me to, to ask a, a spiritual question to her, right? And I turn my computer on, and guess what's happened? The Wi-Fi is still not working. So I'm like, man, I can't watch the movie. I was looking forward to watching this movie. So we began to interact over a lot of different things, but in particular, we began to interact about about Jesus and about the gospel. And I began to ask a few questions, like, what, have you? What is your purpose in life? I asked that question. 
You know, she was very, very liberal. Some of the things that she believed, definitely, adjust, definitely different from what the Bible teaches. But if I hadn't been obedient to say, okay, I'm going to turn this computer down. I'm going to actually take a step to ask a question, a spirit, to open up a spiritual conversation. I don't know if she would have never been challenged on the things she held. She didn't believe in absolute truth. And I said, hey, but that's an absolute statement, right? Like for you to say there's no absolute truth implies that there's an, that's an absolute statement right there. She's like, oh, I never, I never thought about that, you know? So the Lord in that moment allowed me just to ask questions to get her to think. And I was able to share how I came to know the Lord Jesus about my encounter with God when I was 15 years old. But it took, it took obeying the Spirit. It took, obey, it took, <laughs> it took crossing, making it maybe a little bit awkward at first to ask the question, right? I was nervous. I wasn't excited, my brother. I was excited, more excited to, to watch a movie than to, share the, to, to have a spiritual conversation and talk about Jesus. I was more excited about the movie, sadly, if I'm being real with you guys. All right? But obedience... We see the Lord, the Spirit, he's in tune with the Spirit. We see that he, he knew the Scriptures, right? Anything else? Anything else? He asked a question about him, right? Show us that, James. He says, you understand that you're reading. It's all about him. Yeah, yeah. And he begins with a question. The, the power of questions, right? The power of questions. Do you understand what you're reading? Sometimes we think as, as believers and Christians that we have to just be able... It's I gotta I gotta deposit all that I know, all the information that I have, and try to get it into you. But sometimes some of the best learning is through questions, through questions. And that's I think that that's what happened on the plane. I didn't take a lot of time to say this is what I believe right from the get go. I just started to ask questions. Help me understand your worldview. Help me understand why, what what made you, why did you come to this decision? Or how did you come to this understanding about this particular topic? Hey, help me understand, like, do you ever think about what is your purpose in life? Do you ever consider that? Help me understand when you say that there's, there's bad people in the world, doesn't that kind of imply that there might be good people? And just like, just asking, just asking questions. Some of them were leading questions. I'm not going to lie. I just, you know, I was leading. But some of them were genuine questions. To understand the power of questions. Any other thoughts? And then I'll have a few. I want to share a few with you guys. Any others? He ran. Yeah, he ran. Why did that stand out to you, John? Oh, so <laughs> he ran. Yeah. Remember uh, a couple of years ago, we uh, one of the things we did during Sunday school class, right? Instead of me teaching, I gave like a 10-minute preparation on evangelism. And I said, guys, we're going to go out. Darn Sunday school class. Imagine if the church went out right now and shared their faith. I mean, y'all like, ooh. But we did that as, a, as an English Sunday school class. And I remember some of the adults were very hesitant. But you know who were the most excited? The little kids. The Justins. He was fifth, maybe he was a fifth grader at that time. The Justins and the Lewis. And I remember we gave him like a little kind of like a, a script to go, to kind of follow, give him some tracks to run on. And Justin and Lewis... They rush down the street. I'm like, where you guys going? Like, there's a guy right there. Let's go to this guy. And they go up to the guy, and they began to go through the script, and they began to do the the, the questions and and ask the person about Jesus. (laughs) The little kids were excited. They ran to him. And here I am, like, what what are you doing? (laughs) They ran to him, right? Any other thoughts? And then, again, I'll share a few. Hmm. He continued, right? 
the Lord led him to a different city, a different area. Correct. Right. So I just want to give you guys a few things in terms of what are some principles that we see here. Um, the first one, and I didn't actually read this passage, but look at verse 20, look at verse 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. You know, there was already successful ministry happening elsewhere, right? And, and Philip probably could have been content. I, I mean, I'm kind of, Philip could have been content to maybe stay there. But the, he, he was led by the Spirit elsewhere. So the Lord's leading, that's the second thing. Verse 26, we see that, how the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip. It was being led by the Spirit. Verse 3, I mean, not verse point three. Verse 27, who is he speaking to? Who is Philip interacting with? Who is this person? He's a person of influence, right? He's a person of influence. And we don't need to shy away from speaking to people that are of influence. Right? I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I, I went... You talking? My bad, wasn't it? You got some, brother? The Lord is leading you. <laughs> um, I remember I went into this office. I met this guy through, through another contact. Wasn't a believer, a very, very wealthy man. He was an, he was an entrepreneur. He, inv- he had invested in uh, companies like StubHub. He was a venture capitalist. Remember, I went and went spoke to him. And from the get-go, like, I was not afraid to share who I was, and I wasn't afraid to share who, what I believed in. Even though I knew in terms of wealth comparison, like, I was, I was, I was dirt, and he, you know, in terms of money, and I, he was this, right? But we talked about Jesus. And I challenged him on what he believed. And it was scary, it was scary, but I challenged him on what he believes. And you know what? When we, he and I have connected, we've, we've connected for lunches here and like occasionally throughout the years. One of the things that he would always say, he goes, you know, I've never seen a Christian like you. I've never seen someone who, who, who is, you're different. You're different than some of the other Christians that, that, that call themselves Christians. He goes, you actually, you actually live it out. You actually believe it. And that, again, I don't, I don't see him all the time. But when we do talk, I'm, I'm unashamed. I'm unapologetic of what I believe. Oftentimes he would say, hey, um, what do you want? I guess he's used to having, a, you know, people always want something from him. I said, listen, I don't want anything from you. I actually, I, actually, I do want something from you. I want you to believe in Jesus. And I'll, and I'll joke like that with him. And I'll say, hey, listen, this is, this is what I would want what of you. Right? But it doesn't matter. He, he was an, influence, an influential person, and Philip still spoke to this person. We talked about how... The eunuch heart was already being prepared. Look at verse 27, right? Verse 27, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of the Ethiopian eunuch, a great, of great authority on the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He, was, he had gone to Jerusalem to worship, but he was returning, and what? He was sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. God was already preparing his heart. Verse 29, we looked at it already, the role of the Spirit. Someone already mentioned that. Uh, obedience. Philip was obedient to approach a stranger. Verse 30 to 31, let's read that real quick. It says, And Philip ran hither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said unto him, Do you understand what you read? What are you reading? Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. There, there needs, <laughs> we as believers, we can unpack and we can explain the gospel to people. I like the, the analogy that I read in a book um, where sometimes we, we can see the world, right? 
but it, it looks fuzzy, and it looks kind of blurry to us. When we take glasses, if, especially if you can't see, if you take, put those glasses on, the world becomes a little bit more crisp. It, be, it becomes clearer. And so unbelievers, they, they can, they're, they're, they're aware that there is, there is a God. There is something out there, right? But we, we have the truth, and God's word is like the spectacles that a person puts on their eyes, and it becomes, oh, wow, it begins to make sense. And so we, as believe, we need to be able to explain the gospel to, to unbelievers. We need to be able to explain the gospel to unbelievers. And then lastly, um, we saw this in verse 39, and our brother right here mentioned it, how he, 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 he left this interaction with the eunuch, and he goes to a different um, town or a different region, and he begins to still preach the gospel there. He was led by the Spirit this way. Led by the Spirit. You know, there's a lot more you guys can probably uncover. If I gave you guys 15, 20 minutes, I'm sure there's a lot of things you can learn from it. But I just want to challenge us real quick and ask this question. From what was shared so far, whether from the group here or whether from up front, what are, the, what are some of the things that are rising to the surface for you? What are some of the things that are rising to the surface? Is it obedience? Do you know, maybe, maybe God is saying, you know, brother, sister, <laughs> I'm leading you to have this conversation with your neighbor, with your family member, whomever that person may be. And you feel, you feel yourself kind of battling. Oh, God, I don't, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to. Sometimes you just need to obey. Sometimes you just need to obey. Maybe it's, man, like Philip's ability to interact with the eunuch over the word of God itself. Like, I just want to grow in my understanding of God's word so that I can clearly explain the gospel clearer. I don't assume that just because you come to Branford Bible Chapel that you're, we're all scholars. Well, it, sometimes I do believe you guys are all scholars in, in this room. But sometimes we need to grow in our understanding of what the gospel is, right? what it is, and, and to be able to articulate it clearly to, to people. And sometimes that's the reservation. Sometimes that's the hesitancy. It's like, I just don't know it. And there's a, there's a fear that I'm going to mess it up. That I'm going to mess it up. Whatever it is, think about that question. What is it that's kind of rising to the surface? What is it? The next thing that I would like to do um, is just to talk through some, some misconceptions about interacting with folks or um, sharing the gospel. You know, somebody's on their phone. Uh-oh. Uh. I think one of the misconceptions that we have is that it's going to turn people away. Right? How many of you guys kind of think that? Right? You know, I'll be honest with you. The only time that I feel like that's ever happened to me is when I went up to this, this, this couple and the dude was like, get away from me. He was like, I was like, oh, man, I felt so, like, rejected. Right? And some people don't want to hear it, but he just came out of a cancer treatment. You know, and so I, I kind of understood. He didn't want to do anything. He was sick. He was, he was just whatever. So get away from me. Um, sometimes we feel like people just don't want to hear it, right? And, and sometimes that is true. People just don't want to hear it. But there are people that do want to hear it, and God's at work in the people's hearts. Sometimes we have the misconceptions that we need a relationship with people before sharing Christ, right? How many of you guys think that? I, I, I can't share Christ because I, have, I don't have a relationship with that person. That's not, that's not true. I don't have a relationship with that, girl, that lady on, the, tra- on the, the plane, right? You've got to take the initiative. 
take the initiative. And sometimes we think of sharing the gospel and talking to people about God. It's like, oh, I got to be on the street corner, you know, preaching. I don't know if you guys have ever been in New York City and you have that, that person on the corner who's, who's screaming on a microphone or whatever it is. And, and that's kind of our view of, of sharing the gospel, right? There's a place for that. But some people often turned off, turned off by that. I think my, my challenge for us this morning is this is a perfect season to be thinking about who can I interact with about Jesus. I mean, this is the Christmas, this, this Christmas season, right? People, they have their things out, their ornaments out. They, it's, 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 the, it's the perfect opportunity for us as a believers to interact with folks about this. You know, and I think uh, my prayer, my prayer for, for us as a, as, a, as a chapel is that God would grow our desire and our love for the lost. This morning, um, I was praying, and I was praying about this, this message, and I was praying about our time this morning. And honestly, I just, I started to cry, and I started to get emotional. And I actually, I had to confess to God. And I said, God, like, deepen my love for you. Deepen my love for you. Like, draw me closer to you. Because as, you, as I'm drawn closer to you, Lord, I, I know that I'm naturally going to want to share what you've done in my life. And I had to confess that, guys, like sometimes I'm a missionary, right? Like this is what I do for, for a living. Right? You, I mean, and, it's, and sometimes you're just like, God, continue to grow my love for the lost. Because it can, it can become rote sometimes. It can become, I just got to check it off the list. But no, I don't want that to be the case. I want God to continue to increase my love for people. And that is my prayer for the saints and for the church and for Evergreen Gospel Chapel in Brooklyn or for Branford Bible Chapel here or for Valley Bible Chapel or for the Spanish Assemblies all in New York City. Guys, we have this gift. We have this this truth. And some of us are just sitting on it, sitting on it. I know a guy, he's he's a pastor out in Long Island. He always asks me this question. He's like, when's the last time you led someone to Christ? I'm like, man, that's like a, he doesn't even, he doesn't even like, hey, how are you doing? Like, when's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you led someone to Christ? Think about those questions for yourself. When's the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When's the last time you've led someone to Christ? It's not meant to, make you feel guilty or feel ashamed about that, whether you did it or not. But it's meant to challenge us to think about it. Man, are we just sitting down? Are we, are we trusting God for these conversations? I think that's part of it. Like, do we believe that God can change people's hearts? There are people in this community, in this building right now, sitting in these seats that may not even know who Jesus is. You may be... You may be coming in, but you honestly, you still have your doubts and you still have your reservations about this book, about Jesus, about everything that that they talk about here. That may be you. That may be you. Jesus came to this earth for you. Jesus came to this earth to die for you and for your sins. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? For God so loved the world, the scripture tells us, that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, in him, not in our good works, we talk about that all the time. It's not our our ability that gets us to heaven. 
That doesn't save us. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. No. It's not. We're justified. We're, we're made right by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He died for your sins. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And have you acknowledged that? Have you said, Lord, forgive me for the wrong that I have done. Come into my life and save me. As a 15-year-old kid, I laid in my bed up in New Hampshire. It's dark in the room. And God, like, he, he, it's almost I had a flashback to my childhood days and the things that I experienced growing up in the South Bronx without a dad and a mom who was into alcohol and getting taken away in foster care, the foster care and placing the foster care system. And it's like God began to show me all these. He said, I've, I've been preparing these events for this now, for this situation now. I've removed you from, from this environment. I brought you up to New Hampshire. And you heard the gospel message at that, that night. You heard the pastor preach the gospel message. And you heard the challenge to repent and to believe in Jesus Christ. And as a 50-year-old kid laying in my bed, I just started talking, whatever, the best that I could do. And I said, God, forgive me. I'm sorry for what I've done. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Save me. I believe in you, and I want to live for you. May I woke up the next morning? Was I any different in terms of how I looked? Did I grow wings and became an angel? No, but I knew that there was something different in my life, and there was something different in my heart and in my desires. And maybe you're here, and you're just, I have some doubts, I have some reservations. I would, I would challenge you to, to have that similar prayer, that similar conversation I had when I was a 50-year-old kid. Invite Jesus into your life. Call upon the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. And you know, for us in this room, we've been coming to Brantford since we were seven, six years old, maybe in the womb, right, Amy's womb, because Amy had a lot of kids. <laughs> You know, you've heard this. You've heard the gospel time, time and time again. And for you, honestly, maybe it's just, it is routine. It's just like, oh, I've heard it. And we, we need to be reminded of the gospel as well. We need to remind that God has forgiven us. He's forgiven us. He saved us. And who are we to just hold on to that? Who are we? And my prayer, if I can, if my, my prayer for us is that God would just grow our hearts and our love for the lost. He'll grow our hearts and our love for the lost. Why don't you join me this morning as we, or this afternoon as we wrap up in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you that, uh, yeah, you, you took the initiative. Um, you took, you left your throne on high. Um, you came to this earth to die. For us, Lord, born as a babe in a stable, um, as my brother read, um, had a little excerpt this morning um, of the crazy hospitals and what they offer for um, for babies and moms. And you didn't even have any of that, Lord. We thank you, God, for that. And God, we thank you for the truth that you've come to seek and to save that which was lost. But if any man calls upon the name of the Lord or any, any woman, any child, any son, any daughter, calls upon the name of the Lord, man, they shall be saved. 
Lord, I want to pray for the saints here. God, that you would, God, you would grow our love for the lost. You would grow our love for those that are, are seeking, that are searching, that have questions. God, we have the answers. Your word has the answers. And God, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy having conversations. It's not easy taking steps of faith. It's not easy being obedient, Lord. Um, but God, I know you empower us through your Holy Spirit. You empower us to do that. So Lord, would you increase our love for the lost? Would you increase our heart for those that are searching? Would you increase our heart for those that are seeking? Seeking. Lord, we love you. We praise in your son's name. Amen.